0: being the teacher, having to attend to those people who were not well. Most of those jobs lie mostly on women. And we want to thank God that He is continuously looking after us as mothers, as grandmothers, giving us the strength to continue. And of course I've said there were many innovations. We couldn't go to church anymore. We had to meet on Zoom. God gives us a way. If that was a way of stopping people from worshiping, God gave us a different avenue. God says, there is no temptation that can come to us, that will suppress us. And when we feel we are overpowered, he already has a way for us. But of course, there was no substitute for all the physical and face-to-face uh, experiences we need with our families. And then there was an ease in the lockdown. The first end of the first, the end of the first lockdown. I was excited. I had to go away. I went to visit all my children. We arranged to have an early Christmas, if we could call that, because we we had felt shut in. We had time to think about different things, different experiences, sharing, getting time to pray together, getting time to share the hardship that we had endured, and of course, Being alone, I had to think of other ways of spending my time. I had to go and think of different hobbies. I I spent a lot of time outside in my garden, doing gardening, growing crops, carrots, beans, cucumbers, um, pumpkins, all sorts. I did as much as I could. Because I realized, it's Proverbs 16, says, I draw hands are the devil's workshop and idle lips are his mouthpiece. What was I going to spend all those hours doing, sitting in the house, phoning, being on the Zoom, chatting with friends, just that sometimes we get involved in this, but we end up saying the things which are not supposed to be said. And I had to keep myself busy. And I'm sure most of you did the same. But there were also these other ups ups of um, the lockdown, reunion with my God. I had to take a step back to say to myself, had this been the last day, the last days, and the last moment, where was I with my savior? I took time to read to go through those transitions. There was reunion with my family in prayer, Zoom meetings with people in Zimbabwe, people in South Africa, in Namibia, in the UK, in all the different parts of the country. And of course, I found myself a new job. As a unifying person, I had to lead in most of these prayer sessions because I was the eldest sister. I prayed to God to help me to, so that I could do the right things. There was connectivity with the whole world in prayer. I could tune in to this uh, platform. I could go into another one. I remember telling my church mates, I'm sorry I was in Zimbabwe today. I'm sorry I was in Namibia. We had God giving us and feeding us through those hard times. We had opportunities to not just read the Bible, but to study it. There was plenty of time to reflect on our relationships with God and others. There was plenty of time to rest, just to rest the mind, from all the hassles of everything, there was also plenty of opportunities to do community service. I got to know my neighbors' phone numbers just to check on them. I got to do a little bit of shopping for those who were shielding. So I found myself a new job in those transitions down the time with my grandchildren. I had to cancel a lot of trips that I had set and planned to go and be with my family. But, but I thank God that in all this there was never a time that I was not able to attend church service. There were opportunities for me to present, even to do drama. And role play using Zoom. And I thank God for technology. And I thank God for giving mankind the brains to think. Now, I would like to say to us all, if this was our last experience, what would you say? What would you have done? What would you have been your relationship with God? Work for the night is coming. And 1 Thessalonians says, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And John 9, 4 says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent us or sent me. Night is coming when no one will work. Through this hardship, through this transition, through this lockdown time, Work. Woman, work. Man, work. Child, work. For the night is coming. Amen.
1: Wow, wow. That's why I asked you to present my sister. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. I am lost for words. So now we're going to go into our breakout rooms for our Sabbath school. We're going to have four teachers. Uh, for Maldon and Sister Hilda, for Braintree Sister Althea, for Basildon and Sister Ajithra, and for Chomswadi Sister Elizabeth Paul, uh, Basildon is going to be on the main screen. Can we all put our video on, please, because this is being viewed on YouTube as well. Also, I encourage people to manage time. We have to be back here by 11. I think we'll get reminders anyway when our time to uh, finish is, is, uh, is there. So may we all break out into our rooms and Bazudon is, is on the main screen. Thank you very much for the wonderful, wonderful presentation. May God bless you.
2: Okay. Again, again, again.
1: Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath.
3: Happy
0: Sabbath. Happy Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath, everybody. Happy Sabbath,
4: everyone. Hello. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Sabbath.
5: Good morning and happy Sabbath, my sisters. Good Good morning, Sister Praveen. Good morning. (laughs) And of course, the brothers too. We can't leave them out.
6: Good morning,
7: good morning, Pastor. Good morning, Sister.
4: Good
8: morning. Sister. Good morning. Uh, <laughs> Hello, Sister Elizabeth. Hi. Good
4: morning. Happy Sabbath. Hello, Sister Elizabeth. Sister Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor, for joining us today.
3: Thank you, Ajitra.
5: Uh, yeah, I would like to welcome all of you who have joined at the Basildons um, for the the Sabbath school section today so thank you sister priska for giving me this opportunity to um, lead us um on this upper school and yeah thank you everyone who joined and let's make this um Wonderful. So we have a wonderful lesson for this week, and, um, and I'm happy that um, this is the lesson I was after present because when I was reading it, I was very much interested, and I, it actually um, uh, really encouraged me to look more into um, into the science and. Um, Education, a Christian education within science. So um, I thank you for giving me this opportunity, and I'm really happy that um, the topic is um, something we all uh, can learn and then contribute to. So, uh, as you all know, the lesson today is education in art and science, and our memory verse is taken from Psalms uh, chapter 19, verse 1: mm-hmm. "The heavens declare the go- glory of God, and the firmament shows His handwork." so uh the essence of this of our lesson is just in this memory verse um we can see um that who god is and what is um uh, his his authority what is he and then um the, as we learn the lesson it goes on and assert that um no education is complete or no education is correct education if you don't teach God as the creator, as the um, a, a, as a craftsman man for everything we see around us. So um, we um, w- what interested me more um, in this lesson is that we can also, we will learn what should we we teaching our uh, kids, and um, while uh, while they learn science and art at school, which is actually the worldly view, they learn the worldly view, uh, and then they will come home confused, asking us questions. So. All of us may have some point um, gone and do a um, uh, like an argument whether if it is science or um, or Bible which is true and why Bible contradicts um, science or science contradicts Bible. So um, I hope this lesson will open our eyes and we will be able to advise um, our kids and also everyone around us why um, um, how how can we assert um, that Bible is the sole authority. So the the norm we normally see is that when we speak from Bible about um, and relate Bible to science, we take certain verses from the Bible, such as Job, Sam, etc., and try to explain that. uh, Yeah, um, well, we know this before because God said this was in Bible. Mm. But is that everything we need to do? Is that all um, uh, proves that Bible is actually authoritative over science? well um the lesson says actually um the uh, we we can't select certain words and tell um to prove that um bible got the sole authority we should acknowledge that it is the god and everything which uh, doesn't implies to god as a creator um will lead us to error Mm -hmm. So we should give the sole authority to Bible and then learn science and that from the biblical point of view, then there'll be things will be much clearer. We know that in science, everything is about theory, hypothesis. And when it comes to um, uh, explaining things, they keep on changing what they're saying. But Bible remains the same. Um, for, for the last 6,000 years. It never changes, but science keeps on changing and keep on evolving and keep on finding new things. And in 1900, um, a scientist called Kelvin from, from United Kingdom, he said, "Oh, we found everything in physics. There is nothing more we could find. Everything, uh, whatever we've learned from now is what we have learned so far. But mm-hmm. since then, we have seen so many changes. We have seen um, Albert Einstein coming with a big uh, theory, which actually changed the scientific world. So how authentic is the science we're studying? Mm-hmm. So um, I like to read a um, uh, something from... An, um, Wide, she wrote in council of uh, parents and teachers there is nothing more calculated to energize the mind and uh, mind and strengthen the intellects than study the word of God mm-hmm. if God's word was studies, uh, studied as it should then men would have a breath of mind a nobility of character and a stability of purpose that are rarely seen in these days
2: mm-hmm.
5: so let's being parents um, we um, we should equip the mind of our children with god's word, so that uh, when they hear or when they study a worldly assumption they let them let them find out what is right and wrong mm-hmm. so um let them know that if um, if anything quoted from bible that doesn't that is not true they let them find out um, thing for themselves and find out what is actually the error they are learning and. So um, it's only possible by equipping our children with word of God mm-hmm. um, making them read Bible uh, and meditate upon, upon it. And then mm-hmm. we need to encourage them to l- learn more and more of the Bible so they will mm-hmm. be fully equipped and they will be able to see what is right and wrong mm-hmm. um, in, when, when they hear errors or wrong um, in, their, in their education. So that's my introduction. So um, I know I have spoken too much. So if anyone uh, likes to contribute to anything,
6: please.
1: Um. Uh, maybe we should go to Sister Chilala and then people can make contributions at the end. Is that all right, Sister Ajithra, Yeah. Let's have yeah, the, I- yeah, the presentations and then uh, we can have the contributions towards the end if we have the time.
5: Okay, that's yes, good. Yes. Um, then I will. Uh, I have something for um for for Monday as well. Something to present about Monday. So when we learn about um, read the Monday's lesson, the beauty of holiness. Uh, it mm. actually portrays God as an amazing artist who Ooh. actually um, uh, drawn everything who who uh, mm. like an artist beautifully. Um, placed stars in its place, moon in its place, earth in its place, the whole universe.
9: Mm-hmm. So
5: um, he, the scientist even agrees that we as humans, we were only able to venture out to the 1.1 percentage of the whole universe. Mm-hmm. Even in the earth we live in, um, we only ha- ventured 5 percentage of the sea. 95 percentage of the sea is unknown us. This is the planet we live in. So that, that, that's how humans are created. I mean, that's, that's all our, our knowledge about the world. So can mm-hmm. you imagine um, the God who created all the, Look outside um, on a starry night and you see all the stars. Imagine each of those that is the sun and have mm-hmm. the planets um, and, um, and those satellites around them. How beautiful is that? So um, it is one thing we need to uh, remind ourselves here is there are many things beyond uh, human Contemplation, we can't, we can't really imagine. So there are things beyond our imagination. Since uh, sin came into our world, our, the way we were created all changed. Um, the way we think is changed. And um, we live in a mortal world. And everything we see and we can comprehend is in a mortal way. We cannot see the divine power. We cannot see or we cannot uh, feel how it is to be like a, a for someone to create something as beautiful as this. And um, yeah, one interesting thing um, I found while I was um, looking more into this is I Googled to look out all the biggest mysteries in science and something I stumbled across is like every website which you go to basically tells something about dark matter or dark energy. So it is kind of a new um, uh, image invention, as they call it, only really came into uh, existence. Like it was, um, uh, scientists found this about 20 decades ago. Uh, uh, and since then, there are two scientists um, who lives in the South Pole and goes out in minus uh, 100 degree Fahrenheit to look out at the stars during the winter months to look for this dark energy or dark force. So um, the interesting fact is that how scientists Um, explain or um, they define this dark source so they say it's um, 75 70 percentage of the universe is made of this dark force and 25 percentage is made of of dark matter and only five percent is um, the stars planets and as we see it so the dark matter is 95 percentage of the universe and um and (laughs) interesting how they define it. They say dark matter and dark energy cannot be seen and cannot be understood. But um, we are pretty sure that it is out there because everything moves to its gravitational tune. It exists, but uh, plenty of evidence suggests it exists, but don't know what it is. But um, you see, you see how science go and explain uh, things out of their control. But uh, we don't need to go to South Pole or North Pole to look out for this uh, proof of what this uh, dark nature or dark energy. We know it is not a dark energy or dark force. It is uh, it is the creator himself, isn't it? Yeah. So um, we, once, once we read the Bible, um, if you turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says, by faith, we understand that um world were found by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So there is explanation in Bible. So um, as Christians, we don't need to be confused about dark matter. We don't need to worry about dark energy. All we need to do is turn our Bibles and read the word of God. And this word of God will give us eternal life as well. Um, By this, I will ask the sister Chilala to present Tuesday's
10: lesson. Um, I was actually meant to do Monday. Oh, sorry. Uh, so you, you've covered the Monday. Uh, maybe just to add up to. Um, I think you've, you've done you you have dealt with the with the beauty, but on the holy part, I, I just I just wanted to maybe just look at the the verse the First Peter verse uh, chapter one verse sixteen, which says, uh, "Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy." And my, my, when I was looking at this verse, my thoughts came like if I am human and I am um, immortal, like you have stated, is it possible for me to be holy? But then he's, in, in Ezekiel, he's actually said that we should be purposeful to, to choose that which is holy. So it is our duty. God has given us a, a choice, a power of choice to choose to do that which is holy. But most of it, the, the beauty part, you've, you've 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 actually covered it very very well. Probably more than I could have um, done it. So that was Monday. I don't know whether anyone wants to state anything. We could go ahead, and maybe somebody would comment um, if there's somebody doing the Tuesday. Yeah. Yes. yes
1: Tuesday, I would just say probably two or three sentences. Um, I think as human beings, it's normal for us to be inquisitive and to want to search to know what is going on around us. The universe there's so many models and theories: the geocentric, heliocentric, all those models. But I like uh, First um, Timothy chapter six. It talks about um, false knowledge. We might think we know, or we want to know what is going on but we are told that there are some things that are just beyond us and we have to leave all those things to, to the Lord. Because even if we know whether the earth is immobile or not, whether it's spinning you know, upside down, it's not going to help us in any shape or form. Otherwise, it actually takes us away from the Lord. So mm-hmm. that is my short summary. And I think the next one is Sister Pamela to present.
0: Thank you. Happy Sabbath Church. Um, thank you um, for the last uh, few lessons we received. Uh, most of you know that I'm a behind-the-scenes person, so this really has been a challenge for me to be um, presenting to you this morning. Um, uh, but I am challenged, like I said, and um, unfortunately I didn't get the chance to to access the, uh, the teaching um, book, but I did. Try and get some information so that I'm able at least to um, leave you with um, a food for thought. Uh, let's look at Proverbs. Um, well, my lesson for Wednesday is foolishness and, winst- and wisdom. Uh, I'll quickly read Proverbs 1, chapter 1, verses 5 to 11. It says, let the wise hear and increase in learning. And and the one who understands, obtain guidance to understand a prophet and say, the word of the wise and their regal theorists, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But hear my son, your father's instructions and forsake not your mother's teachings. Mm. For they are gracious, gallant for your head and pendants to your, no- to your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. I think that verse is quite... Straightforward. It's saying that knowledge is good. Education is good. That is my understanding. So because it says increase your learning. LNG White, um, say, um, going on to G. White, who says, what 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 answers what is true education? What does it true ed- education really mean? She says education is means more than perusal of a certain course of study. It means more than a preparation for life that now is. It has to do with the whole being and the whole period of existence possible to man. So we've got the Vest and Ellen G. White here, backing education. Us as parents as well, is, uh, we, 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 we like education. We want our children to be scientists. that not so church. We want our children to be uh, educators. And amongst us here in church, We've got doctors, we've got teachers, we are educated, aren't we? So what I'm trying to do here is to bring in science and um, the word of God together. Because we are the scientists, most of us here, we are the educators. So we cannot separate, I feel we cannot separate God, sweat, and science. We are all one thing, but just hear me out. Um, so, what is the relationship of science to what we know? Do we really know anything beyond what science delivers? Certainly, sciences give us remarkable. This is what the scientists would like to claim. It says they've given us remarkable achievements in understanding of the law of nature, an extraordinary capacity to predict, technological advancement, which is what we have right in front of us right now. Even with corona, we are able to what we are able to communicate and praise God. And this is from science. And then it says, I'm gonna say, we may be tempted then to rely on science and on the scientific method to, to establish knowledge. This however, can be a mistake. If most of us who were educated out in Zimbabwe, if you remember, we had uniforms and we had badges written, knowledge is power. I think most of you hate a uniform written knowledge is a power. So then let's not make a mistake because power, we know that it can corrupt. Let me carry on. In this current era, we are living with COVID. We will find that science world, science world, not as um, Christian scientists know, the science world claiming victory, boasting that they have found a, a vaccine, they have a, a pandemic. Uh, uh, the pandemic situation under control. This gives a wrong perception or rather the wrong conclusion that mankind is in control. Let me take you to the uh, Big Bang Theory. This was an eye opener for me. I know it's a debate. It's an old debate that's been going on for years. But my research that I did on the Big Bang Theory opened up my eyes. I looked at the history of the Big Bang Theory. This was... Um, uh, this theory was uh, brought by a priest, a priest for let's not forget that for science to have happened, it was mainly in the church. It started in the church. It didn't just start somewhere else. Science started in the church and it was started by priests. So this priest was a Belgian priest. And he 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 brought along in 1920. 1920, only a hundred years ago, that's when the the, the big big theory came into light. But what we know as a church is that the Bible is not a theory, but it is a living testimony. It has got all the evidence we need for us to carry on with our activities on a daily basis. We know that the Bible is for us yesterday. It was for yesterday. Today and tomorrow. But science changes all the time. Sorry, bear with me. I think I've mixed up my papers here. <laughs> all the time. Okay. As Christians, we know that this is not the first time that God has tested mankind's faithfulness. There are many biblical examples of being tested. Right, the big back theory, let me take you through the process again. Let me take you back again to the big back to the Big, big theory. Uh, the prevailing scientific model of the universe origins, origins purposes that the entire non-universe burst from a single point at a single moment. If you believe that God created the universe by speaking it into existence, you might say that at one point there was no universe. In the, moment, in the next moment, it was all there. So on the other hand, as Christians, we believe that God created the world. And on the other hand, the wealthy scientists observed that at one point, there was no universe, and then the next moment, it burst forth into existence. So this information, we know that the Bible, God brought up the world by saying, let there be light, let there be the, um, uh, the darkness, and all that. And then in seven days, we had the world. The scientists are saying that, the world just burst and everything was in place. If you are falling along, there are two complete compatible ideas. When I got to this point, I felt that the scientists have stolen, that priest has stolen that theory that there was a hundred years ago, that there was a pain and the world existed. But we know as Christians that 200 years ago, Yes, when the Bible was written, God had already, we had in, enough evidence to show that God created the world. There was no big, big theory. So it was a stolen theory from the Christian world. That is my view when I did my research. So what the scientists are saying now to us Christians, they are saying, exactly. The world, this is what we've been saying all along. We've been saying that the world was created by a small atom that burst into life. But like I said before, the Bible is not a theory. It is a living testimony. The scientists have no evidence to how we came about. Um, then, going on to the lesson, anyone, any comment for our lesson on foolishness in Winston? Okay, then we go on to the next lesson on how the Lord about Job. I try to tie in Thursday's lesson with today's lesson. Okay. But as the Bible, we know that it is not the first time God has tested mankind's faithfulness. There are many biblical examples of people being tested. We have been tested during the COVID time right? Although the scientists are claiming that they're the ones who have done the, uh, the, this vaccine, they are posting that uh, where, has been, where has God been for you during this time of COVID? We have um, this knowledge, we are powerful, we have done it all. But we know, we know as Christians, and this is my, fav- my, ma- my mother's favorite um, example of job that this, we were being tested at this time and scientists cannot claim that they have the knowledge because we already have the knowledge. We have been given examples in the Bible about Job. Job who was tested, he was given hard times, but God did not abandon him. It is the same this time round. God did not abandon us in the last year we've been in this COVID period, because we know, we knew that God will be with us at all times. Um, and then we look at Job 38, which is one of the verses that were in the lesson. It says, Job show, God shows that he, the cre- he creates life and he, will, he does not only sit back. He did not create life and only sit back to watch what would happen. He's actively involved in sustaining his work. In this verse, the Bible shows that Job had no control over his life, over the weather, over the stars. But God was controlling every situation. And God did show it. God demonstrated this to his friends, to, to Job's friends, to um, Job's wife, that he was in control. He can take and he can give. Yeah. With our children today, it is easy for us to lose control in bringing them up. It is easy for us to believe that they are getting enough knowledge from school and, and, and from their friends. And it is easy to just give up and let it be. We find, as parents, ourselves, as women, buried in information about bringing up our children and made to fear about the advices we get from the Bible about bringing up our children. We fear in extracting that information from the Bible and using it in our daily lives. We then start to make errors in our parenting and knowledge. We become, because we've got one, big bubble of knowledge. But from what I have learned in these two lessons that we need God to inform the teachings of every discipline in educating our children, we cannot do it alone. That's the end of what I prepared for you ladies. Amen.
4: Thank
5: you sister, Uh, that was really powerful and it was um, an eye-opener as well for all of us. Um, Yeah, um, cutting from what you've been saying, so Uh, the everything uh, we can't say that everything in science is wrong so um, uh, it's just that we our kids or ourselves needs to be um, able to able to see uh, able to analyze and um, where the errors are coming from so where the errors and not um, what to take and what not to take Um, but um, so Science, some people teach us um, uh, today that science um, and Bible cannot be, uh, what science teach cannot be substantiated by um, a Bible. And um, well, it's because... Um, uh, they say that the nature is not in harmony. Uh, science look at everything from the nature point of view, and they say that um, um, nature is not in harmony with Bible. But the interesting fact is that the word of God is... Um, not in harmony with human science, but it is in it perfect harmony with um, with the nature, which is his own creation. The creator and the creation is in perfect harmony. The error comes when um, when there is deception, when mm. we humans or, um, or the devil add things or um, introduce new things uh, which actually take away God as a creator from us Other, um, but science uh, as sister um, uh, rightly mentioned um, our origin of science is in Bible so the error is when, uh, when there is deception and when there is um, uh, when people te- uh, when we teach us that um, uh, science can exist without God so um so true science can't be contrary to the bible because both um uh the world God um and uh, have the same authority of the nature so um i like to read something um again from from sister Ellen g white um So uh, the science and other um, uh, branches of science um, are rigorous and effective tools for understanding different aspects of good creation, but they of- often stumble with regards to its origins. For example, it has been said that there are only two things for certain in this world, which is death and taxes. But we know that this is not always the case. Uh, though death is such a natural and guaranteed part of our life now, it was a non-existent condition originally, which was not a plan of, um, um, original plan of God. The physical world was affected by mortal um, and spiritual decisions. Biological science as it currently stands does not permit this information and therefore it model for the origin of life is often misleading. God has so masterfully written and organized the laws of the universe on both a macro and micro level that is understandable why science can effectively study and manipulate the natural world for its purpose without acknowledgement or or recourse to God. In a sense, God made the system so well and seemingly independent of himself that people use the system as the evidence against his existence. Um, A Christian education and world and worldview does not make that mistake, but sees nature as both evidence of an insight into God. So if we look at it in a way that um every, uh, the, if the science actually points towards God, then we get it right. So... Um, uh, yeah so any education so the, the, um, the, what I um, found from uh, learn from this lesson conclude from this lesson is that um, it is okay to learn science at school it is okay um, to um, to look at worldly view but we need to have an understanding of what is right and wrong and we need to uh, um, have an understanding that everything which doesn't um, which is in contrary to Bible um is is an actually an error and it, it is a deception. So um, I'm finishing by reading Second Thessalonians verse two, um, chapter two, verse three and four. Let no man deceive you with vain words. And and it's a time for contribution. I know we are almost there, but we got two more minutes to. Uh, if anyone wants to likes to contribute anything. We have a pastor with us today and he's been so quiet. Pastor, do you?
3: Yeah, No, Sister Chariza, uh, Chariza has raised hand before me. Then I'll follow. Oh, okay. See, I'm just keeping quiet because I'm instructed to be quiet.
4: <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> okay, Sister Chariza. Sister Priska, is that okay? Yeah, Sister Cheriza.
0: I think science could actually complement the Bible. They worked with an understanding that they are not the beginning, but they're explaining things that are not there for everybody's naked eye to see and understand. That would work very well instead of wanting to replace the Bible. Looking back at um, the birth of Jesus, we see the wise men, they were astrologers, studying stars. So they already knew that the stars were there, but there was something unique, something beyond what everything was every day. And they had read the Bible and they were being directed. So I think if science could bring itself um, complement instead of replace, it would work. Yeah,
5: I do agree with uh, Sister Charissa. This is um, something I read uh, uh, as well. This um, for, uh, Like centuries ago, science was in perfect harmony with God's creation. So people acknowledged uh, the creation and then they studied um, science according to that. But there was a notion within the dark ages to leave God out of the science and then... Um, uh, Then people started like this. I believe it started when Galileo um, explained um, Earth is round, and then he was killed by the by the church itself. So the actually the the enmity or the um, uh, uh, argument between church and um, science started that so the wanted to exit completely different from this uh, from the science um because um they started to be, uh, say that everything science says is wrong so uh, yeah it kind of started when galileo um, was killed by the church for for far, uh, but later he was proved to be right so when we look back in bible we can see that um, he was he was right as well there is proof in the bible that galileo was right but church um did not acknowledge that at that point, and then that kind of started the enmity between church and science. Uh, but he should go in perfect harmony, isn't it?
3: Okay, right. Um, this is my time. I'm, I'm really, really thrilled to see Sister Ajitra, Sister Pamela are all speaking in the Sabbath school uh, time. I've never seen Sister Pamela, you were so keeping quiet and come quietly and go out quietly. Okay, very good. Ajitra, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Um, Coming back to the science, it's a very, very complicated, uh, because science is not just uh, one thing. The whole world is full of science. For example, why we are not trying to, or why we are not able to counterfeit the anti-argument of the scientist against Bible, is because many times we have no understanding about Genesis 1.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: For example, was there water before the creation of the world? So There was, I think. Okay, before God created the heaven and earth, was yes. there water? There
9: was. Yes, there was. Because
3: okay, so, so water was not part of the creation so if I try to bring such uh, argument okay the science is now taking advantage of it mm-hmm. so God did not create water the what was already before the world was existed okay so as Seventh-day Adventists who are trying to uphold science as the supporter of the Bible we have to understand the very first chapter Do we know how God created birds? Do we know how God created animals? Mm -hmm. Is the same breath of God uh, going through the body of animals? Does bird breathe? Okay, so when we try to understand Genesis, uh, probably we can take one year, one whole year, to study only Genesis one chapter, the first chapter. Because suppose if I bring a scientist to take a presentation and question answer, uh, the scientist will easily shut our mouth by asking a few questions about gravity. Okay, when you come to Philippians uh, chapter 5, it says that um, uh, the spiritual battle. And it says that spirit or that ghost or the evil spirit In the uh, heaven, heavenly places. If you read uh, Ephesians 6 chapter, okay, we have a battle not against the blood and uh, flesh, but against the principalities and all the evil spirit in
2: the heavenly places.
3: Sister Prisca, you can go
1: ahead. Welcome. Welcome. I'm sure we all, were all blessed with the wonderful lesson that we had on beauty and holiness, foolish and wisdom, nature, sciences. I was really, really touched, and I learned a lot from the lesson that we had. So moving on with our po- program, I'm going to ask um, Sister Hilda to come now and uh, take over and introduce the next um, speakers. Sister Hilda, this is your time.
7: Happy Sabbath everyone. Um, Today is the Women's Day. We are talking about the purposeful women. Um, Today we are going to, to discuss who is the purposeful woman. And I would like to ask Sister Rhoda, how can you describe a woman of purpose in the Bible? Thank you very, very much. Well,
11: there are quite a number of women in the Bible um, that were very purposeful. And um, I just want to say each one of us has a unique purpose in this life. And it is up to us to discover our purpose and to fulfill it. The Bible tells us that to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under, under the sun. It also states that, and we know that all things work together for good, to them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. So some of the women um, I've seen in the Bible um, uh, that actually lived to their purpose, they actually discovered it first, and they had fulfilled lives. We've got Esther. We've got Ruth. We've got Deborah. Mm -hmm. There are many of them, but today I want us to focus on Esther. She had a a very um, unique purpose. Her purpose was to strategically deliver the Jews. She found favor before the king when she made her request. Remember that before Mordecai talked to Esther about uh, the impending evil planned against the Jews, Esther had not done anything significant with her life. Through prayer and fasting, Esther received faith to step out because she was reminded that death was hanging in the air. She became sold out to her purpose and was ready to die for her people. If I perish, I perish. Those were her words as recorded in the Bible. She had discovered that her purpose in the palace was not just to enjoy life's comforts. She knew her fulfillment would come from serving the lives of her people. My sisters, we need to take time to ponder and ask ourselves why we are here at this present time. Ask yourself today, why are you here? Why are you in Essex? Why do you exist? What are you here to do? By discovering your purpose, you can gain clarity, focus, and direction in your life. If you want to live a significant life or make a difference in this world, then you will have to discover your purpose and be who God has destined you to be. Be purposeful in all that you you do. Pray and meditate on God's word. Let him speak to you because hearing from him Enhances your purpose. When you walk in his purpose, you will be fulfilled and blessed beyond measure, and your life will have meaning and significance. May God bless you. Be an Esther today.
7: Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Sister Rhoda, for um, described to us a purposeful woman from the Bible. Uh, Sister Kanet, as a woman, how do you develop purpose in your life?
12: Hi, Hi. happy Sabbath everyone. Um, basically, two years, two years ago, uh, before I joined uh, Seven Day Adventist, um, in my head, the purpose for my life was only to be a wife, a good mother and live a life I enjoy. But now, I said that um, after knowing the Christ after join uh, be baptized um, I realized that the purpose and for my life is not only that and the way I can develop that is by um, worship God, um, spread God words, have Bible studies if I can with A pastor, or someone else, or even uh, had Bible study with people that I don't know and doesn't doesn't uh, is not part of our church. And I find myself now happier because I know what is the purpose of my life now, and I can focus on that. And I have to give thank you to the Lord to bring me to Essex, which two years ago I was in, in London and now I am I am in Essex and I came all this way to find out that God is alive and God is real. And now I am part of Seven Day Adventists and I am very happy and I have to thank you you all for that.
13: Amen. Mm-hmm.
7: Man, Amen, Sister Connect. Um, now, Sister Ring, is firsted in one.
14: Hello. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Yes, okay. Yeah. so how is purpose manifested in one's life? I think it starts with your thoughts. What are you currently creating in your thoughts, I would ask? You know, you look around and see, you have to feel it. You know, what would you really love to manifest in your life? What would you love to see, to feel and to be? So let yourself be silent, you know, drawn by the strange pull of what you really love. It would not lead you astray at all. Because sometimes we do get to do things that we think other people want us to do and not what should be manifested in our lives. So often we're so busy doing other things we don't stop to see or just to think about what your purpose is in life. So you have to stop, you get a clear mind, choose your thoughts, and manifest them in your life. And yes, you can actually choose that. You know, So you need to have a clear vision, I think. So you stop, you pause, you take a deep breath, you know, choose a peace and calm moment and think of what your purpose is so that you can manifest it. So you need to make a clear picture in your mind, I would say. You need to see it, to hear it, and to feel it because it's very important. So what are you feeling when you manifest this vision? It must be positive affirmation and not negative affirmation. And when you feel it, it has to make you smile. Then you know that's what it is. So you've got to set your intentions, I would say. And now that you've got what's your, what, you've got a clear picture of what you want to manifest, you need to decide to do it, you need to create it, and so that you can manifest it. So you give yourself permission to have it and to do it. And in order to manifest your purpose, you will need to make room for eliminating things. And this can include anything that distracts you be it friends, be it clubs, or any other places that would distract you from manifesting your purpose in the Lord. So you also need to focus and you have to give. Can you hear me? Yeah. And you have to give it. Purpose And it should make you excited to do it. So you have to put attention to it. So when you make decisions on it, you take action, your action and your inspired action and create a good support system. You have a good support system. You have your, your, your friends, you have your relatives, you have your church pastor. So you have to have a good support system. And finally, I would say your thoughts become the things and your purpose will be manifested. So I would say, let us pray that we always seek the Lord in manifesting our purpose in life. Amen.
7: Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Sister Rindi. Um, Sister Mariwe, how do you develop purpose in your life? Just one minute.
6: (laughs) Okay. Um, So when answering the question, how do I develop purpose? um, I looked at the dictionary um, definition, which says um, it's the reason for which to do, uh, for which something is done, or the reason why something exists. Uh, So each morning, um, I ask myself, uh, what is my goal today? Or why do I exist? So personally, I pray and I thank God for life, um, for waking me up to see yet another day, Um, because I I feel this means that God still has a plan for me. Um, That's in Jeremiah 29, um, verse 11. Um, So he has allowed me to wake up that morning for a reason. So a reason to do something. Uh, So Psalms 57 verse 2 says, um, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Um, So for me, crying out um, is usually through singing. Um, So if you choose your favorite song, um, one of my favorite songs is Day by Day, um, Hymn 532, and one of the lines in the first stanza says, he gives unto each day what he deems best. Mm -hmm. Um, So I also select a verse each morning, Um, which I find most times will guide me throughout the day. Sometimes the verse can stay on my mind like for more than a day until something happens, and then it clicks that I need to correct something in my life. And I believe at that point that God is saying that His purpose for me for that particular issue or that day has been fulfilled. So God has created us with power of choice. I just feel that we should all uh, choose to build a relationship with him. Um, uh, For those who are wives, um, young ladies, um, women, um, the Bible gives us a list of characteristics, attributes um, which we can live by, um, like in Proverbs 31, um, Galatians 5, um, from I think 22 to 23, which are the fruits of the spirit. Yeah, so I can just conclude by saying let us choose to live in the fullness of God's purpose for us because nothing happens without God ordaining it.
7: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Sister Mariwe. Now we we come to a, a big question. Sister Chanda, what is God's purpose in your life?
15: I think the way I'm going to answer that question, I've shared this story before with most of you, God's purpose in my life. I remember traveling, um, going to Zambia, and as we were walking onto the, tra- onto the plane, there was a tall young man, maybe in his late 30s, and um, he was walking in front of me, but he would stop each time to help those who are vertically challenged, like myself, to put their luggage up. And he did this then, Um, When I sat down, he asked me if I wanted to take his seat, which was by the window, and I said yes. He continued talking in a very nice way to the man next to him. And by the way, when I said yes, I knew I'd be going to the bathroom quite often, and I thought I might disturb him. But I got up, and the man, I don't know how many times I got up, it was like it was nothing. There was a child screaming on the plane, and... (sighs) For, you, for some of you who know that babies are not my thing, I'm thinking, why can't the mother do something about it? The man got up, went and helped this, uh, this young couple. Later I asked him, do you know that family? He says, no. I, I was just intrigued by the acts of kindness that this um, young man did. I later found out he was a Muslim. Because I was so intrigued up to now, I think of that young man and in the short space of time, how he impacted people around him for good. And it reminds me that Jesus said, the Bible says, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. And that is our purpose in our lives, to destroy the works of the enemy. Most of the times we're thinking of, give me my red... um, crossing of the Red Sea experience, give me my Jericho experience and to equate that to the purpose of your life. But the purpose of my life, your life, is in the small little things that we do every day. The small little things that we do every day and the finale, whatever your finale will be, will come in as each day, I don't know if you can see this, I've got uh, a jug of water here. Each day as you are filled in by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the more you are filled in by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the more, the more you are able to, to do the will of God. And when you do the will of God, each day he calls you to destroy the works of the enemy. And how do you do that? Who shall we send in Molden? Who shall we send in Chumsford? It's in the small little things. Your workplace, can God depend on you to give comfort to someone who's around you? Can God depend on you, Sister Hilda, to be kind to Brother Moses when he's in a grouchy mood? Mm -hmm. Can God depend on you, Chipema, to be patient with Chisola when she's not listening to the many times that you tell her to do certain things about different issues in her life? destroying the works of the enemy. That is what you and I are called to do. So therefore, when I'm looking for a job, am I looking for a job because I want to get the big money or because I want to give as much tithe as I can? I want to give as much offering as I can so that the works of the enemy can be destroyed. In brief, my purpose, your purpose is manifested every single day This lunchtime, this afternoon, how you relate to the people around you, ensuring that whatever the enemy wants to create in those around you, that you, like Christ, destroy the works of the enemy.
7: Amen. Thank you so much, Sister Chanda. And Sister Natasha, what is God's purpose in your life?
15: um i answered for natasha so you answered
7: answered. for natasha thank you so much for
15: natasha because i thought we were only given four minutes and i couldn't do you know both and I i couldn't do four minutes
7: okay thank you so much that's what mothers do um as a purposeful woman this does not only come to us we've listened to the ladies describing a woman in the bible a purposeful woman and our purpose and how it can be manifested in our lives the question goes to us, what is God's purpose in my life? What is God's purpose in your life? This goes to everyone, a man, a woman, young and senior, everyone. What is God's purpose? When I wake up every every morning and when I'm going to bed, do I understand God's purpose? Do I know the purpose of God? Why did God create me? Why did he put me on this earth? So we should always be asking What is God's purpose in my life? Thank you so much, ladies. At this time, we are going to have our mission report.
9: is going to happen after uh, this um, will time for uh, dim song and closing prayer from uh, Abena and young woman from Shampord following by elder Stephening from Maldon uh, we'll uh, do announcements and do the welcome after will be the time for praying your work- worship uh, by um sister Abena and the uh, young woman and after that, uh, we'll have this uh, opening song by Elkanah.
16: the sabbath school with our closing prayer let's pray oh lord i just want to thank you lord for your power lord in our lives lord i want to thank you for your sabbath day which you have made holy and you have given to us for us to uh, uh, rest in you lord and to be empowered in you lord we praise you for you are worthy to be praised and adored we thank you, Lord, for all your mercies, Lord, and for all uh, that you do for us every single day, Lord. Um, as, as we heard in one of Elkanah's songs, as for us and our houses, we will serve you, O Lord. I continue to lift you up this, um, this morning. I lift up the Women's Day to you, Lord. Um, I come before you unworthy, O oh Lord, but I'm grateful to be in your presence on this Women's Day, Lord. Um, thank you, Lord, that today we're being reminded that our purposes can be found in you. Lord, may your wisdom inspire us, just how you inspired Esther, Lord, cause us to pray and fast more often. May we explore and, and be more proactive about discovering our, our purposes in you, Lord. May we not be disheartened and recognize that our purposes can change as we evolve. And may we um, commit to you in our journeys and and trust you with our whole hearts, Lord. May we meditate on your word daily, Lord. May May your Holy Spirit anoint us and set us apart to do your will. May we recognize our own unique purposes because we're different from each other, Lord. So help us to not just simply copy one another, but help us to, to um, listen to you. And, and, and when you drop things into our spirit, give us the courage to manifest these things into our lives, Lord. May we come to you always. I, I come against the plans of the enemy to deceive us into, into uh, various things, Lord. And um, He deceives us to follow certain paths, Lord, but we know our, our paths can be found in you. May we lift each other up and support each other as women and young women. Um, may we be supportive in our journeys and, and I come against jealousy and, and hatred and bitterness, Lord. Um, when the enemy wants to create evil in our lives, as, as we heard this morning from Antichanda, um, help us to, to come to you um, uh, so that you can lead us to, to not fall for the enemy's trap, but may your Holy Spirit Cause us to respond as Jesus would, Lord. May Thank You grant us strength and discipline to let go of those bad habits and all the things that are hindering our journeys, Lord. And and Lord, I I, I just lift up every single thing uh, to You right now in our lives. You know all our needs. You know all the things that that we struggle with daily, Lord. I commit from familial issues, Lord. I I, I commit uh, those with children. They have, they have the pressure of meeting their needs and their husband's needs and their, their, their family members, external family member responsibilities. I commit this to you, Lord. Those who are suffering from domestic abuse, uh, mental health issues, financial issues, career instability. There's all types of issues we struggle with as women. But we thank you that today we've heard in the Sabbath school that the only solution is to come to you and that you will lead us down your righteous right paths, Lord. So we thank you once again for, for this day you've given us, for this year. Although it's been a tough year, Lord, it's also been the year that we've had to um, reunite with our Saviour and lean on you and not on our own understanding. So I thank you for all those that are involved in the programme, for, for the Savage School, for the songs, for the prayers, for those who spoke, the messages. I, I believe we're being touched today. So I continue to lift up uh, this service into your hands, Lord. May you take glory, Father, always now and forever. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.
17: And happy Sabbath to all. What a wonderful morning service we have had. We truly thank God for blessing our hearts through the service of his creatures, the women. We thank you for what you have done. All the songs, the messages, our hearts have been blessed. And we praise God. I'd just like to share a few announcements with us. Um, This afternoon at 3.30 p.m., we will be having a session on emotional healing. And this will be presented to us by our speaker for today, Sister Patrice. So we will invite everyone, not just the women, but the men, everyone, all male, female, boys, girls. Come, we all need to understand how to have emotional healing. The session this afternoon is divided in two parts. So the second session will be on healing oils and will be presented by Sister Sonia Locker from the Grace Seventh-day Adventist Church. Tomorrow afternoon, the non-Seventh-day Adventist Bible study continues at 4 p.m. on this Zoom platform. On Monday... For all the teens, remember your Bible study continues also at 6 p.m. So all teens, please be encouraged to join this Bible study with Pastor Melky. Please continue to support all the church's prayer meetings at your usual times. And remember, all people we have presented in our prayer request, lift them up in prayer as we go through our week. It is my pleasure and privilege to welcome everyone to our worship service today. It might be a cold day, but outside the sun is shining brightly. And in our hearts, the sun can even shine brighter. As we look to Jesus, the son of righteousness, As the flower looks to the sun, we will draw from him the warmth of his goodness, his love, and his blessings. This is what I wish for all of us today. Those who are worshiping from Basildon, Braintree, Chelmsford, Malden; those on YouTube, those on live stream, that God's Holy Spirit will speak to us that we will feel the presence of God here today, that this will not be an ordinary worship service where we just listen and we go, but that God will touch each of our hearts in a special way that we will leave saying, it was good to have been here. May God bless us as we worship together. Inside your temple, O God, We think of your constant love. You are praised by people everywhere and your fame extends over all the earth. You rule with justice. Let the people of Zion be glad. This God is our God forever and ever. He will lead us for all times to come. Let us worship him in the beauty of holiness let's pray father in heaven we come into your presence we ask that you take control of all the proceedings may your name be glorified may we receive your blessings may we hear your voice thank you lord for being with us and for blessing us in jesus name i pray amen
16: good morning good morning good morning to you thank you so much for joining us for our praise and worship time as most of you will probably know by now it's our women's day and we're talking all things purposeful women so ladies i see you in your native wear i see all of you everybody's looking wonderful this morning um so be prepared for your hearts to be be changed and and renewed this today, uh, we thank God for for the day that he's made. Thank you to the men, the young men, the boys for coming along and supporting. You too will, will leave here learning and and, and, and will be blessed today. So as we go into our song service, let's start by singing hymn number 534. Will your anchor hold? The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts him and I am held. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices and with my song then I praise him. Let's praise him as we sing about our anchor holdings that's stronger. Straits of fear. When the breakers tell,
18: the tell the that the reef is
16: near, though the tempest rave the 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 and tempest the wild rain winds rain. blow, wild
18: not
16: winds an,
3: angry an angry wave shall our bark overflow.
18: Let's sing We have the good that keeps the soul. Step and ashore while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, while you fell deep in the Savior's love. Take it it will surely oh. hold in the floods of death when, when the waters congelate and spread.
16: On the rising tide, the rise it could never
18: fail. God in never fails. Hallelujah. Sing. We have an anchor. We have an anchor that keeps us soul steadfast and sure while the pillows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firmly deep in the Saviour's love. Let's take it up. When the eyes be in the
16: door. Hallelujah! Amen! Shining. That holds and grips the solid rock. Let's sing hymn number 593 in times like these because there are times we need our Saviour Jesus, so we have to ensure that our anchor holds onto the solid rock. If we're going to be purposeful women, we have to lean on God at all times and not our own understanding. session with our theme song, Refiner's Fire. Again, we're striving to be purposeful women, young women and girls. And in order to fulfill our purposes, we have to be willing to go through that refining process to be purified inside, Mm -hmm. in order to be set apart to fulfill the will of God. So let's sing, Refiner's Fire. (laughs)
18: go <laughs> Thank you.
13: Your own, on, Shamila.
2: Yeah.
6: You can hear me, Auntie? Um, to continue our divine service, um, we're going to have the intercessory prayer done by Sister biji and followed by children's um, offertory prayer by Fari and children's story by Andrea, scripture reading by Andrea and the administrative announcement by Pastor which will be followed by a meditational song by the alkana group
4: dear church this is a time we come together to the throne of grace and mercy with the confidence to intercede for one another before that i would like to read a scripture which is taken from philippians chapter 4 6 philippians chapter 4 6 do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Let us kneel down where is possible. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come together to praise you and exalt you for who you are and what you have done each one of our life, Thank you for all your blessings, your love, mercy, and providences are highly exalted, O Lord. Please forgive all my sins and hear my humble prayer. Whatever the sins or character which is not pleasing your sight, please remove in the name of Jesus and hear my prayer and have mercy upon me and all of us, O Lord. At this moment, we bring people who are not feeling well in hospital home, and different places. May your mighty hand stretch and heal and extend their lives for O oh Lord. They need you, O oh Lord. Please bless them. O oh Lord, we are especially praying for the people who are facing difficulties in workplace and family and please, please help them, O oh Lord, to overcome from all their struggles. O oh Lord, today, we lift our hearts and say thank you for remembering to create women in this world. Bless every woman. Help us to realize we are valuable, significant, and worth well to live our life. None of the women should be classified as low or second-class citizen in the community or family or in the church. Please lift up all the oppressed and oppressed women, O oh Lord. We look up to you as the source of joy and happiness in our lives. Without your strength, we are weak. Without your guidance, we are lost, O oh Lord. So please remove all of fear and anxious. Help us to be a blessings to our family and the church and the society. At this time, we are remembering the frontline workers, O oh Lord, please strengthen them and give them good health and sound mind to work for the needy, O oh Lord. Oh Lord especially, thank you for the preacher today anoint her lips to pronounce your words, which will touch her heart and make difference in her spiritual life, O Lord. Bless her, O Lord. And thank you once again for hearing this humble prayer. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.
8: Happy Sabbath, everyone. Thank you so much um, for joining us today um, for um, our Women's Day. Uh, Very honoured to be celebrating with the women of our local church area, but also all all the women in the world. Um, I just want to share quickly a quick passage from Mark chapter 12, from verse 41 to 44. Mark 12, 41 to 44. And it reads, and Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, verily I say unto you that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Um, And I just think this is a really important message for all of us, especially with the way we've all struggled this year. I know me personally, 2020 has not been easy, but we praise God that even in our little, he still rejoices in whatever we can give him. All he asks is a willing heart from us. Um, and so I just ask and pray that we take the example of this poor widow who didn't have much, but with what she had, she gave to the Lord. And this is all God can ask for, from us. Um, as we also know, he is the God who owns the cattle among the thousand hills and he will never leave us hungry. Um, all he asks is for our willing participation. So at this time of offering, um, I just ask us all to remember to pay our offering as and when we have the time um when you get the opportunity the details will be made available on how you can um pay your offering if you are a visitor and you need any help please do get in touch with us after service um, and we'll definitely make sure that the money that you put forward for the lord will go to the lord's service um i'd just like to offer a quick prayer for the offering now heavenly father lord i just want to thank you so much for the gift of life Um, for the gift of women and mothers and parents and all of those things that you've given us, Lord, Um, and for the gift of financial strength in 2020. I know that this year has been very difficult on everybody here, Lord. We've all gone through so many uh, different struggles. Many people have lost their jobs. Many people have lost family members and relatives, Lord. Um, And at this time of reflection, Lord, we just want to thank you for your goodness despite the struggles have continued to provide for us Um, and at this time all you're asking from us is a willing heart um, and the happy and glad offerings Lord and the fact that we have the opportunity to take part with you in the worship service Lord and so I just pray for all of the money that is going to be put forward Lord in offering I pray that the good that you want it to do will uh, it will do Lord that those who need to hear your word have not yet heard it, Lord. I pray that whatever too far, too might, too far things that we can put forward, Lord, that, that will go towards enriching and building your kingdom. Um, and Lord, for those who are struggling and are not able to give, Lord, we know that you are there to give us an abundance and exceedingly above all we could ever ask or think, Lord. Um, and we know that there are so many blessings attached to just being willing to be with you and to serve you with all our hearts and with all our lives. And I just commit all of these um things before you Lord and we look forward to your second coming when we can see the results of the offering that we have given to your service Lord and we can see how many people um those two pence those two pounds that we may have put in Lord we can see how far you made that two pound stretch and how many people were able to be saved I thank you and praise you and give you all the glory in your holy and precious name Jesus Christ Amen
9: Happy Sabbath, girls and boys. Um, this uh, this story is in Esther uh, chapter five to chapter five. Of course, I, I, I don't have time to go through all the chapters, but I want to um, make a, a very important point that uh, the Jews people, we are in danger. God used Esther to save the Jews' people in the land of Persia. Esther and Mordecai knew that if God does not operate powerful, um, powerful, their efforts will be in vain. Esther then took time in communion with God, so she prayed to God the source of her strength. Then Esther sent her people to fast for three days. So, so she did as well. She uh, fast and prayed for three days. Um, And then Esther would go to the king, even if it is not according to the law. Is taking this attitude, she put herself in the hands of God to become interse- intercessor for of yeah, her people. Yeah. She helped the Jews people so that, that they were not killed. Probably yeah. you, um, little girl or big girl, are not taken to the same situation as Esther was. But in times of doubt and sadness, seek God in prayer. When uh, you feel happy, sing him Songs. Praise the Lord. Today or in the future, when you need to help someone, God will be at your side. Remember that God has a purpose, a purpose, sorry, um, had a purpose for Esther. He has a purpose for you as well. Um if you can open your Bibles um on Psalms uh, f- uh, chapter 57 um verse two I cried out to the to the uh, to gods must hide to God who fulfills his purpose for me may your reason and may my reason to live make the father's will you know god saw Esther praying ask for, for help to help uh, the Jews people God see when you pray, and He um, is very happy when you pray to ask um, for help, to praise Him. So may uh, we grow in spirit, in prayer. Um, prayer together, prayer alone, pray with your family. May God bless you. And this uh, is time to uh, a little prayer let close your eyes, please. Thank you for this story of Esther. Thank you for give us purpose to, to live our lives. May we um, try to seek you every day, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, to know our purpose to, to live. May uh, the Lord bless uh, every children in this um, Zoom meeting and uh, all all around this world. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Now I will read the uh, scripture reading, is in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 to 10. but but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with each he loves us even when we hear that in trespasses may us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved Uh, verse 6 and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. Everyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, uh, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen.
0: uh,
3: (coughs) Happy, happy Sabbath, church. Uh, We have a few administrative announcements to make. Um, Next Sabbath is very important Sabbath, particularly in the evening, because we have uh, our half-night prayer, uh, our half-night prayer, which will start from uh, uh, 7.30 to 11.30. So may I encourage everyone to come on to this same Zoom uh, from 7.30 to 11.30. On the 19th of this month, uh, we have Youth Day. Young people are going to uh, give us the program. So may the Lord bless them as we have Youth Day on the 19th. I have two announcements for Chumsworth. So all the Chelmsford members, please uh, heed to these announcements. Today uh, at 5.15, we have the last board meeting and the planning committee um, will meet at 5.15 on the same Zoom. So all the board members and the planning committee, uh, please meet today at 5.15 on the same Zoom. And next week, which is 12th, December, at 5.30, a couple of hours before uh, the prior meeting, we have our business meeting. We have very few things to finalize. So all the Chumsworth members, please meet in the Zoom uh, next Sabbath at 5.30. And Basil, then we have uh, two announcements as well. All the Basildon members, please kindly uh, make note of it. Uh, 9th Wednesday, Wednesday evening, we have a board meeting and the planning committee at 8.30 p.m. So this coming Wednesday, uh, which is 9th December, we have board and the planning committee at 8.30 p.m. after the midweek prior meeting. And on the 19th of December at 5 p.m., we have the year-end business meeting. So all the Basildon members, uh, please uh, make note that on the 19th uh, uh, evening at 5 p.m., we have business meeting. So may these announcements be noted uh, kindly so that we will go
2: accordingly. Thank you so much. At this time, uh, thank you. We, uh, go ahead, special song.
19: Thank you for the valley I walk through today, the darker the valley, the more I learn to. I found you where the lilies bloom by the way. So I thank you for the valley I walked through today. Thank you for every hill I've climbed and every time the sun did shine. Thank you for every lonely night I prayed till I knew everything was alright And I thank you for the valley I walked through today Thank you for every hill of have And every time the sun didn't shine Thank you for every lonely night I prayed till I knew everything was all right And I thank you for the valley I walked through today Life can
7: be, oh sunshine For the was who die the rivers
19: would be desert or pale and dry life can't be all blessings for there would be no need to pray so I thank you for the valley I walk through today Didn't shine. Thank you for every lonely night. I prayed till I knew everything was all right. And I thank you for the valley I walked through today. Thank you for every lonely night I prayed till I knew everything was all right And I thank you for the valley I walked through today And I thank you for the valley I walked through today and I thank you for the valley I walk through today.
13: Thank you, thank you, Elkana, for that. Um, Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. I'm sure all of you have been blessed today uh, by the music, by the, 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 the items, by the presentations. It's now my pleasure and my privilege to um, just introduce the speaker to you uh, on behalf of our pastor, John Melki and on behalf of um, uh, the four churches, uh, Sister Patrice, uh, Basildon, Maldon, Brentree and Chelmsford would like to welcome you uh, to this congregation and obviously to those who are viewing online. I know just a few weeks ago you were here, you joined us when your husband uh, was our speaker. But um, just for for those who don't know, uh, Sister Patrice William Gordon is a Christian author, And a speaker who is committed to sharing the joy of fellowship with Christ and the benefits of deliberate living. I'll share with you those of you who will be here in the afternoon what that deliberate living uh, formula for her life is. Uh, God's calling on Sister Patrice's life has seen her minister in many countries across the globe through workshops, through seminars, camp meetings, retreats and church services. And I think when I listened to her the very first time, it it was at one of the retreats here in in England. She's also a molecular biologist, sorry, molecular biologist. And I know we talked about uh, molecular biology in uh, our lesson study today. So Sister Patrice is one of those scientists and also a health educator and has made significant contributions to the body of knowledge on cancer Through her uh, groundbreaking research uh, on the effect of sorrow and and garlic on cancer. I know Sister Stephanie makes us some lovely sorrow, Sister Patrice, uh, just for your information. But most of all, um, her influence on the church, on the world church, is felt through her writing in the women's devotionals and programs on Hope TV. she she one of her one of her things that she, she enjoys in Jamaica because it's a tropical country is mangoes. Um, and I think I can join her in that. She's a mother of two adult children, and she's also a mother-in-law. So, Sister Patrice, uh, you're welcome to Chemsford. It's lovely to see you. When I spoke to you yesterday, I said I was going to tell everybody uh that you were. You 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 were you were covered up in in bed very early in the morning, and you 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 said it was really cold. And when I asked you what the temperature was, you said twenty one. And I I'm thinking, wow, twenty one for us is summer. <laughs> so, Sister Patrice, welcome, and this is your time.
6: Thank you,
20: oh so much. It is such a pleasure to be here with you this morning. It's Early morning for me, um, but I was so excited. I have been uh, in and out of sleep, just to make sure that I didn't fall asleep before the time. It's such a pleasure to be here, and I do have some of my family and friends visiting with you today, so please make them feel welcomed in your audience. As I listen to the song this morning, Thank You for the Valley, as I always ask God to do, to just give me a reassurance that the message that He's given me is to be had today. And I'm telling you, you couldn't have chosen a better song. You couldn't have chosen a better uh, musical rendition for meditation. Thank you for the value. Because you see, today I will speak to you for a brief moment. On the theme that you've given me, the purposeful woman, but I've captioned my interaction with you, positioned for purpose. And as I sometimes tend to do, especially in this life of Zoom, where people Zoom in and Zoom out, just in case you Zoom out before I am done, I want you to get the kernel of truth that God has laid on my heart. Positioned for purpose. God has positioned all of us for a specific purpose and there is nothing you can do to undo the purpose that God has for your life except not turn up. That's all. It doesn't matter what mistakes you make. It doesn't matter uh, the roads you take. It doesn't matter how long it takes for that position to be uh, accepted by you as long as you turn up. God's purpose for your life will be manifested. He has a purpose for you, and I want you to avail yourself to it. When we think about a woman of purpose, let me go on the flip side first. What does a woman without purpose look like? There, my husband tells me a story of a woman in his community who they used to call genie dry trash we all have phobias but she was afraid of anything that made a crackling sound any dry leaf or bramble or trash and as rude
4: <laughs> as rude
20: school children do when they're coming from school they would look out for genie dry trash and they would shake all kind of leaves and all kind of sticks and all kind of stuff just to frighten her and she'd be dashing across the road all over, scared and paranoid. And that's the vision of a woman without purpose in my mind. Someone who doesn't have a direct path, someone who is deterred by quite a bit, someone who is faltering, hesitant, indecisive, unresolved, vacillating, weak-kneed, need is lacking strength, of will or character. That may not sound familiar to you, but maybe you've had days when you felt miserable, unfulfilled, envious, complaining, depressed, suicidal, unhappy, stagnant. Does any of that sound familiar to you? Those are the feelings associated with a woman whose purpose is shrouded. She is not aware of her purpose. She is feeling purposeless. And it results in these kinds of emotions. My grandfather, uh, many years ago, went to the United States for the first time in winter. He's accustomed to going in the summer and moving around. But the winter. And you understand why I was cold yesterday (laughs) at that temperature. We're not accustomed to that in the tropics. So here he was in the United States, locked up in the house, not able to go anywhere because it was just so cold and the snow on the ground and the ice and all of that. When he came back to Jamaica, he said, I would never do that again. Those couple of weeks, I worked the hardest I've ever worked. I said, Papa, What did you do that made you work so hard? He said, I sat down and did nothing. I had no use, no purpose, and it was the hardest work he'd ever done. To be purposeful means to be fully committed to achieving a goal. We all have a purpose. We all have a purpose. We're all created on purpose, for a purpose. And it's God's intention to make his purpose clear for the life that he designed us. But so often we're busy, we're distracted, we are misled, and we don't understand the purpose that God has for our lives. But I want you to believe me this morning when I tell you there is A purpose, a specific purpose with your name on it. And all the gifts associated with fulfilling that purpose is resident within you. You may not understand it. You may not see it, but it's there. Today, I'm going to tell you a story of a woman whose purpose was unclear, but who, through showing up, received the pleasure of a purposeful life. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're walking in your purpose. Maybe you're unsure about your purpose. Maybe you think you have no purpose, but wherever you are today, I know you will find yourself in this story. Let's pray. Gracious God in heaven, I thank you so much for your wonderful love, the blessing of the Sabbath day, the wonderful technology that allows us to be connected miles and miles apart over lots of water. Lord, I know you are with us today, and despite me, I know you will bless us, and you will give us a message that we need, absolutely need, because your purpose must be fulfilled in our lives. These mercies I ask in your son's name, amen. And so I tell you a story, but what's a story without a good prop? so I tell you good morning again. I am a woman who in hindsight had a purpose, but I had no clue. It didn't make sense to me. The purpose that I now recognize and I'm happy about was totally elusive when I was a young girl. You see, I grew up in a heathen nation. My name, actually, I was named after an idol, an Egyptian god. I am an Amorite. And the first part of my name, Ra, is the name of one of our esteemed gods. I belonged to an idolatrous people. And the name they gave me One would think if they are idolatrous, then they should embrace idolatry. But it seemed to me that they thought I was the worst of the worst, for they gave me a name that underscored insolence, fierceness, spaciousness, emptiness, a lack of direction. It's one thing to be called dirt. But it's quite another thing to be called dirt by dirt. I was on the social and physical margins of society. And I recognized that from very early. And so unlike my friends, who would normally stay home with our family until we were taken in marriage or otherwise, I left the confines of my parents' home. And I went to make life for myself. I wanted a way out of this, not a way out of my culture. I wasn't thinking a way out of the prestige. I wanted to be accepted. And so I decided I needed to find some purpose. I found myself a house. I was a young girl. I couldn't get the luxurious home in the middle of the city or in the suburban areas. I had to settle for what I could get. And I got a home that was right on the edge of stuff. I didn't like it, but I made the best use of it. I was multi-talented. Yeah. But you know how life is. People only talk about what they want to talk about. And so nobody ever mentions that I was a manufacturer of cloth. Yes, I transferred, transformed flax into linen. And that was a lot of work. It had to be harvested, pulled up by the long spikes from against the water side. It had to be winnered, retted, scrunched, heckled. And then I also dyed my cloth. So I needed somewhere where I could dry my flax when I harvested it. And I did that on the roof of my house. One would think everyone would remember that, hey, This is the lady I got my linen from. Four very important people bought from me. The priests bought to make their white, pure garbs. The rich people bought. I didn't have many poor clients because they couldn't afford my linen. I had some important clients, but yet they never spoke about the value of my linen. All they referred to me as was a prostitute a harlot yeah I did take care of all their needs if you understand me some would come for cloth and I'd offer them other things and that's how I made my extra money And my hope was to one day get the house I wanted, be positioned where I wanted to be in Jericho and therefore finally get the acclaim and the attention of those who mattered most. I was working my way to significance. I was working my way to purpose. You see, Jericho was one of the most important Canaanite fortress cities in the Jordan Valley. And that's where I lived. my purpose just wasn't coming through fast enough. And I can remember hearing about this God, this God of these people who were walking through this massive army of individuals who were passing through and all this God did for them. Though I was named after a God, this God wasn't doing anything like that for me. They said he, he made the water, part, the, the, the Jordan River part. He made the Red Sea part. He made them warm in the desert. He made, he gave a covering for them. He gave them light in the dark. He maintained their clue. This God, oh, I don't know. They won all their battles. Why couldn't my God do that for me? But you see, now that I look back, I realized that my purpose was deep down in me all the time. You may think that being unaccepted by society was a bad thing. I thought it was. I resented it. But now that I look back, I realize if those people had embraced me, I probably would have had loyalty for my culture, but they disdained me and I had no problem turning my back on them, choosing someone else for them. So then maybe my dispossessed position was positioning me for a purpose. You see, I faced two paths. I know you know my story. For those guys came by, I didn't even realize who they were. I thought they came by for services. But before I could settle down, I got news from the officials. Ha, they find me when they need me, don't they? Users saying that these guys were spies and that they'd come from Israel. I had people from the God of Israel in my home, there is no way I would make them available to the scums who were my leaders. And so I misled them. I misled my leaders. And I told them that, oh, yes, because, you know, I had to gloat that I had important people in my home. Oh, yes. They pass through here, but they're long gone. Maybe if you, and I directed them all the way, because you see, by standing at my window for days, I knew the path and I knew how to describe it to them. Hmm, I wonder if that's why I had that position. So yes, I told them to go. And while they had gone, I hid the two guests under my, oh, maybe that's why I, dealt in flax, so that I could have a space on my roof that I could hide these godly men. Could it be that my purpose was wrapped up in my position? So yes, I had flax. And not only that, I was positioned on the edge of the city so that when the men had gone, after I'd hid my guests, I told them, give them some time. I'll let you through my window. Do you know where my window was? (laughs) I'm telling you about special positioning. My window was in the wall. You see, our city, Jericho, was fortified. There was an outer wall and an inner wall. I told you I didn't like my house. My house was actually built in between the wall. So my outer window was cut out of the wall. So when I let them through my window, they were on the outside of the city. Huh, I didn't like my house, but now I see it was for a real good purpose. But then, when I told them of my plan, I said, I want you to do one thing for me. You see, though I'd left my family, they were always on my heart. And though I lived separated from them, I wanted the best for them. They didn't necessarily embrace my lifestyle, but now that I saw that there was a possible way out, I wanted to take them with me. So I made an agreement with the guys. I said, hey, if I get you out of here, all I want for you to do is to save me and my family. And I told them all the stories about their God. They didn't even seem as convinced about the power of their God as I was. I told them that God was going to deliver this place to them. They believed, but there was a little bit of doubt. I had no doubt. And so they promised me, and this is where my position came in. They saw some of the Linen that I had already dyed and made into ropes, and they took up a red one and they said, Okay, you use this red rope, my red rope, you know. So, you see why I had to be a dealer in flax and linen? I was positioned for a purpose, yes. And so, they said, Use this red rope, put it outside the window, and when we return. Where we see this rope, you will be saved. And everyone that's in your house. But if you talk to anyone about our agreement or remove the rope, then we have no pact. We have no contract. I let them out. And you know, the rest is history. They came back and just as I thought, They marched around Jericho, I thought, that's strange. Why weren't they coming in? I waited and waited and you know, it was quite a deal to have got my family in my house. I couldn't have waited until the week. I worked for a long time to convince them to come and stay with me. It wasn't convenient, for they were accustomed to living in their luxury home in the city. And make it worse, we were under siege. I had no customers, so my income had now gone down. I wasn't sending linen at this time. My special type of customers weren't passing through because the city was locked down. So you know my resources were dwindling. However, I still decided to get as many of my family members, my mother, my father, my uncle, my Grammy, my everybody, as many of them as I could get into my home. It was inconvenient. I wanted to run them out sometimes. But then I remembered the contract. I was positioned for a purpose. I hung my rope by the window and I kept looking out. And sure enough, it happened. The walls of Jericho fell down. Did I say the walls fell down? So what of my rope? The walls around the city fell down, excepting the walls of my house. Yes, the walls in the position of my house never fell. And if you don't believe me, you check the archeological studies that you have, you sophisticated folks. It's there. There's a portion of the Jericho wall that never fell. And that's where my rope hangs through my window. You'd think my story ended there a whore becoming a worshiper, but it didn't. You see, I went to live with the people of God. And for a while, I was an outsider. Yeah, they took me and they took my family, but they allowed us to live on the outside, the outside of their community because I wasn't Israelite. But they didn't realize that God positioned me for a purpose bigger than they could ever imagine. I got married to Salmon and became an Israelite by naturalization. So yes, I was born Canaanite, but God had another purpose for me and I became Israelite. And you know, they talk about the story and they brag about Jacobed and how Jacobed hid Moses and how Moses became a leader and how Moses told them to put the red across their door and how they were all saved. They don't realize that I am the midwife for the modern Israel that would have taken Canaan. For Moses took them out of Egypt, but I opened the womb for the body of Israel to enter Canaan. And how did I do it? Just the way Jacobet did it. In bulrushes, under flax, I hid the messengers. Then I told them the message with authenticity that God would deliver just like Jacob had taught Moses. And when Moses was ready and he told them about the red, I too put a red at my window and I received my calling. So yes, I was positioned for a purpose and it wasn't an ordinary purpose. For me, the Canaanite harlot, the whore, the dealer in flax, yes. The scorned of society was used by God to not only help Israelites into Canaan, but, but. I became an ancestry, a part of the ancestry of Christ himself. For I am the mother of Boaz, who is,
2: you know, Obed,
20: you know, Jesus, through David, that's me positioned for purpose. Despite what you may think, God had it for me. A poor, heathen, otherwise lost woman was positioned from my birth to make life possible through Christ for you. And so, this morning, having spoken about Rahab and the red rope she hung from her window, I wonder if you can find yourself anywhere in this story. Do you sometimes feel unappreciated and socially unaccepted by some? Maybe by no fault of yours, but you've just inherited a sense of disenfranchisement, of being less than, of always trying to be worthy enough? Are you, for some reason, away from your family, on your own, trying to make life, maybe feeling resentful that you had to abandon your family, or feeling responsible that you've got to make a way for your family? Do you find yourself living a dual life, like Rahab, who had two occupations the world sees one but you know what's really happening in your life do you have assets that seem useful but you don't know the purpose of them right now you find that you are full of talents and you know you've got something to give to the world but you have no platform no labels no outlet you just feel purposeless but full or do you sometimes experience spurts of purpose and then it doesn't last this minute you feel that god has called you and you see your way and then the next what would god be doing with me do you find that you have heard about god you know a lot about god but you haven't experienced him for yourself. Or maybe you have experienced him for yourself and you are awaiting deliverance. You are—you have hung your red cord through the window and you are waiting for God to deliver you. Maybe you've been delivered, but you feel unaccepted. You feel on the outskirts of Israel. You feel that you haven't made the mark among God's people. Or maybe this morning you're simply concerned about the future of your family. If by chance you find yourself in any of those situations, I want you to know that though you may not be Rahab this morning, though you may not identify accurately along the line with Rahab, I want you to realize that it's a different woman at a different time, but it's the same God with the same human family and the same set of plans, redemption. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, which has become extremely popular these days, says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's the plan that God has for your life and my life. And like Rahab, irrespective of your position right now, it's deliberate. Everything that's in your life can be used and will be used by God if you allow him to position you for purpose. And so I tell you, look deep inside. Rahab had to clean a lot to see, and she only saw it in hindsight that your purpose is written right there. It was there all the time. She looked back on all the facets of her life and realized that everything there had a purpose. God says, and it's written in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, and I quote from the Message Bible, Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you, you before God shaped you in your mother's womb, he knew all about you. He knew that maybe your mother would have been raped. He knew that maybe your mother would have been abused. He knew that you probably would have been abandoned. He knew that you would have grown up in affluence. He knew you would have been grown up in a Christian home.
0: He knew everything about you. Before you saw the light of day,
20: he said he had holy plans for you. Your purpose is written right here. Search for it, believe it. Trust that God, in his wisdom, never made trash and never allowed for trash,
0: and that everything about your existence can be
20: turned into his purpose of good yes i know that the devil has had its way he's had his way in our lives and he has turned some things that god intended to go right left but god can turn everything back to his purpose no one except you can cancel the purpose of god for your life The second point I want you to make, so the first was your purpose is written deep inside. Look for it. The second point I want you to make note of is that a knowledge of God builds your faith. Rahab would have had no faith to have escaped Jericho had she not heard about the God of Israel. Her faith was built on what she heard Proverbs chapter nine, verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's how you get wise to your purpose. When you fear God and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So you want to understand your purpose in life. You want to know why you are here. Fear God. Get to know God. Avail yourself to the character of God. Do you realize how easy it was for Rahab to have just riddled off all the accomplishments of what God had done for Israel and how it fortified her faith and made her stand in a culture that was not even hers just by what she'd heard of the God of Israel. I want to tell you this morning that there is so much written about the character of God, so much evidence of what God has done That by reading your Bible, by studying his words, by availing yourself to the company of individuals who have proven and trusted God, by listening to their testimony, by asking them questions, your faith can be strengthened. Your faith can grow. And as you fear God, so will your wisdom and your understanding grow and God's purpose for your life will become clear. Rahab couldn't speak to God because she didn't know God. She only knew of him. But I'm sure you know God. If she could have recognized her purpose through her position, what about you today who have an inhibited path to the throne of God? Read his words, friends. Saturate yourself with the fear of God and trust him to show you the purpose that he's positioned you for. Christians are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what saves you. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not from yourself. It is the gift of God. Rahab knew that a flimsy red cord, she'd been making red cord for years, Simple red cord could not have saved her or she would have gone a long time ago. She knew it was just evidence of her faith. There is nothing that you can do that can secure your purpose and your future. But you can accept by faith God's gift of salvation and put it out there, the Order to Rahab was, don't just believe, show your belief. Show your belief. Your faith will prompt action. That's my third point. It is the change of heart, this faith, coupled with the actions prompted by faith that saved Rahab and her family. Yes, she believed in God. She believed that he existed. She believed that the army would one day capture her country. But I'm sure she wasn't the only one to have heard because she got this information from inhabitants of Canaan and Jericho themselves, but they were lost and she wasn't. The point, my friend, is that she had to do something about her faith. Joshua 2 verse 11 says, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. That was her testimony. And what did she do? She secured the men of God. She requested to be saved and she obeyed the command. Hang your rope from your window. What are you going to do with your faith? will you trust God to save you? Will you you trust your future and those of whom you love the most to the God you've heard about and come to know? Well, obey his instructions, even though it doesn't seem to make sense. Rahab could have said, why would I hang a rope? I've been dealing with ropes I am sure she must have hung ropes through that window to dry on several occasions. And it did nothing for her. It, made, it did nothing for her before. Why would it do something now that's silly? Furthermore, I may call attention to myself. Someone may want to wonder what's she up to? Even though God's plan doesn't seem to make sense to you, trust it. God knew that everything else around would crumble except where she hung her rope. I don't know what you're facing today, but maybe you feel that you are living a life of futility. Everything you try doesn't seem to make sense, and what God says you should do worse doesn't make sense. I've tried it before. I've dealt with this before, and it hasn't made a difference in my life. Make your faith become action. Talk to God. Listen to what his directions are about your life. Let him tell you why you're positioned where you've been positioned and the purpose it's meant to bear. And hang your rope. You see, in as much as the rope never saved Rahab and the blood on the lentil posts didn't save the Israelites, it was a sign of obedience to God and he never left his chosen obedient children to perish. My next point is a place in God's kingdom is assured for you. So what have you learned? Hopefully you've learned that your purpose is written in your heart, that a knowledge of God builds your faith and that your faith will prompt you into action. But is this action just for action's sake? Is it just to be busy? A place in God's kingdom is assured, for that's God's eternal plan. Paul highly commends Rahab for her energetic faith and gives her a place on the illustrious role of the Old Testament for those who triumph by faith. And that's recorded in Hebrews 11, verse 31. It says, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she received the spies with peace. God's message is for you to accept his plan for you with peace. Romans eight ten verse 18 to 13 says, what it says is this, God's message is near you. On your lips and in your heart. That is the message of faith that we preach. It's right inside of you. You may doubt it because it doesn't sound the way other people preach it, but it's inside of you. And it's meant to be spoken in your language, in your accent, from your experience, from the vantage point of how you have lived your life. That's how God wants you to give his message. He's positioned you so that you can have purpose from your position. If you confess, it continues, that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from death, you will be saved. For it is by our faith that we are put right with God. It is by our confession that we are saved. The scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. This includes everyone, because there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. God is the same Lord of all and richly blesses all who call to him. All who call to him. It doesn't matter when you accept Christ. It doesn't matter how long you've accepted Christ. It doesn't matter what your lineage has been. It doesn't matter what your past has been. All who accept him. Everyone who is called out to the Lord for help will be saved. So, a place in God's kingdom is assured for you once you believe and obey. My final point is, your purpose is not selfish. It's not just for you. It's not about just you making it to the kingdom. Rahab had been estranged from her family. Yet, when her purpose became obvious, even though her position had removed her from her family, she gathered them all in. I don't know where you are with your family, with your friends, but whoever God has placed in your life, Whoever's path you have crossed may be your co-workers, may be your landlord, maybe someone who's made themselves your enemy. The further lesson to be gleaned from the story of Rahab is that God has positioned you in their lives so that your purpose, ordained by God, can impact their future. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Anyone in the sphere of your influence becomes a part of your purpose. That's why you've been positioned there so that they don't have to be lost. So in closing, there are no questions about it. You are a woman of purpose. At 2.30 this morning, I awoke from my sleep, contemplating the message of today and finding myself in this story. And I realized that, friends, I am probably like Rahab before the deliverance in some situations. And you'll find yourself at different points. Different situations in your life will put you at different points in the story because the process of salvation is ongoing and ongoing and ongoing. And I find myself today at a position where I believe in God and I believe that I've been positioned for a purpose, but it's uncomfortable. I find myself personally today in a physical state that I would rather not be. And I know you want to know my story, but like Rahab was told, say nothing to anyone until I have delivered you. And that's where I am. There are few people who know the struggles that I have. And I wonder and I ask God so many times, why would you have chosen this room for me? Why would you have placed me here? Why do you leave me at the whims and fancies of others who would rather not have me? Why do I have to be uncomfortable and displaced when I have talents and value and worth when I can make ropes and I can save people and I have a voice and I have influence why have you cornered me in a wall and I've struggled but through faith strengthened by your prayers I continue to hold my rope at the window believing with all my heart that the wall is going to fall and I will be safe. I know that it's not always comfortable.
0: My faith is not always as strong,
20: but God strengthens me day by day. And it's possible that there is someone listening to me right now Who is in such a room where you're not even sure you want to keep hanging your rope. You're so resentful of the little room that you've been given. And worse yet, resentful that God has given you a mission to bring others into that room. It's crammed. You're struggling for resources. You feel you want to give up they're ungrateful, they don't want to be there. But yet God has put you in that position for a purpose. I encourage you today, hold on. Will you trust the faith that you have buried deep in your heart Or will you allow criticism and the opinions of others to rob you of your glorious destiny? You know who you are. You know that where you are doesn't define you. You know that you're positioned there for a purpose, even though others around you may not understand it. Make room for God as Rahab did for the spies. Let him in. Let him in so his purpose for your life can be fulfilled. I ask you another question. Will you choose God's destiny for your life? Or will you trust the structures that seem logically secure? Rahab could have opted to speak to the officials for they had been to her home. She could have sought fortification from them because that seemed logical. She'd seen them secure themselves, but she trusted what she couldn't see and she hung her red cord through the window. Do you find yourself resenting your position and chasing comfort and acceptance? Wanting something better from others who can't give you much more than you already have? Stop trading your discomfort for temporary fixes. A job won't do it. A new degree won't do it. A husband won't do it. Children won't do it. Anything that you get outside of the will of God won't last. So push those aside. Forget about them, knowing that if you seek first the kingdom of God, all things will be added onto you even though it may seem illogical. Will you seek to gather those who, lo- who you love in the space of your purpose, or will you allow them to perish? Yes, they don't agree with you. Work with them anyway. Yes, they think you behave like you are all that. Work with them anyway. Yes, they have more resources than you have, Use your resources anyway. Yes, they have spurned your prayers, your struggles, your advice. They've called you a fool. They've turned their back on everything that you have stood for. Pray for them anyway. Swallow your pride and proclaim your purpose. You are positioned in the life of your friends, your wayward child, your callous husband. You are positioned there for a purpose. Don't walk away. Just hold that rope up a little longer. The walls are about to crumble and you and them will be saved. Finally, Rahab found herself on the outskirts of Israel for a while. She was saved, but she wasn't integrated. And there may be someone today who's accepted Christ, but you've not integrated into the family of Christ. You're still an outsider. Whether it is that they don't think you're good enough. They don't think you're holy enough. They don't think you're righteous enough. They don't think you're ready enough. They don't think you look the part. They don't think you walk the part. But you've accepted that position on the outskirts. It's not for you. God's purpose for you is in the middle of things, in the thick of things. Rahab became an ancestor of Jesus Christ. Born a foreigner. Born an idolater but she obeyed God and hung her rope. Once you have obeyed the calling of God on your life, you are never an outsider. The Bible says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I am establishing your purpose despite your former position. Rahab's faith enabled her to turn away from her culture, her people, her religion, and to turn to the Lord of Hosts. Commitment to a true faith in God may necessitate setting priorities that are contrary to those of the world, as we are exhorted in Romans 12, verse 2, but God has promised to deliver you. So then, what will you do today? Will you hang your rope? Or will you look through the inside window? Will you put your head through the outer window, obeying what God has asked you to do? Or will you turn to yourself and try to find security in your own deeds? Remember, it's not about what you do to save yourself. It's all about doing what God has asked you to do. Just accept a sacrifice. Put the blood of Jesus on your heart, that red cord, and know that when all crumbles around, you and your family and your friends and anyone he's positioned you to have a purpose for will be saved. I know it's not easy. I have friends who today struggle because their hands are tired of holding out the rope. Their child still hasn't received the healing they've been praying for. Their marriage doesn't seem to be turning the corner. Their own illness doesn't seem to be abating. Their financial and social acceptance and progress evades them. And they sometimes think, let me close that window and open the one that's inside. If you find yourself there today, I'm begging you, trust what's in your heart. Trust that God has positioned you for a purpose. You won't always feel excited. It's not about the feeling. It's about the rope. It's not about your goodness. It's about the rope. It's not about your strength. It's about God's blood on your heart. You are already saved. Just keep the rope hanging. Is there one person today who wants to say to God, Father, my hands are shaking. I'm tired. I feel like giving up but I beg you for strength to hold the rope. If today you want to hold the rope, I invite you to just write in the comment, hold the rope, hold the rope. Rahab had no strength or integrity of her own, but God had blessed her. And the same God who began a new life in her can begin a new life in you because your eternal destiny is already secured and your purpose in all of that is already written here and he says my daughter my son just hold the rope you're positioned for purpose trust god And hold the rope. I'm going to pray for myself and I'm going to pray for you because I know what it's like to feel like the rope is slipping. But God can help you and He can help me if we continue to anchor our faith in Him, believing that we have been positioned for purpose. Let's pray or father god so many times we're tempted to believe in our own strengths to believe that you can save others but you're tired of us that we don't make the mark and we are not worthy of your blood but dear lord this morning i ask that you will open our eyes so that we can see that every circumstance you have allowed in our life uncomfortable or comfortable, inconvenient or convenient, painful or pleasurable. That it's for a purpose and that your purpose was determined before we were born and that you will finish what you have begun. You've seen the hearts of all who've listened. You've seen my heart. And so God, this morning I ask that you will mark those who are holding their rope. Strengthen their hands, send support for them, send encouragement, send love, send a glimmer of hope, allow them to hear the sound of the trumpet as victory approaches. Lord, help us never to get weary, but to stand in the position of our purpose until you deliver us forever
10: and ever And ever Amen.
2: Steph, you're on.
17: We'd like to say a big thank you to Sister Patrice William Gordon for that beautiful, heart-stirring message. Are you positioned for your purpose? Your purpose should be written in your heart. Faith in God will help to build your purpose. And that faith will also prompt you into action for God to achieve that purpose in you. Remember, it's not about the excitement, the feeling. It is that rope on your heart. Hold on to the rope, believing that we are all positioned for our purpose. Thank you so much. May God continue to bless your ministry as he blesses, us, as we ask him to implement what we have learned today in each of our lives. I'm sure all the ladies have been blessed, and all the men also. May God richly bless us as we hold on to the end, and we all will be saved. Thank you very much. God bless. God be with
18: you till we meet. Councils guide up all
13: Like to remind everyone, don't forget the afternoon. Uh,
7: yeah, you're not able to join the uh, breakout room.
13: Yeah,
6: okay. looks so nice. sorry? No, we we, <laughs> don't yeah, we just wanted to stay here.
3: Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, yeah. no, A lot of people so are staying I here.
13: Know.
3: Yeah, All right. Okay.
13: Just like to remind everybody, program afternoon program
6: three thirty. Hi didn't see Joyce.
3: Thank you, Sister Chipama. Thank you, Sister Patricia Williams. Hello, Sneha. Hello, Blessy. Hello,
6: Patrick.
3: Blessy, yes, we Well done. Well, to take us Thank you,
6: thank you. Well done. Very
3: nice. But uh, I was just listening. Where are the rest of the stanzas? Yeah.
2: I was, yeah. Yeah.